Greetings in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We do thank God for you joining us on this evening at our Sunday School Hour. We thank God for you taking this opportunity to join us here at On The Wall E-Ministries Bible Institute. We are so glad that you joined us and we're getting into a new study on this uh, evening. Uh, Angels, Demons, and Spiritual Warfare. Brand new study. Go to our uh, Facebook page, download the uh, our study guide so that you can be able to go along with us. And, and we do thank God for you just taking this opportunity to continue to support us here at On The Wall E-Ministries. Angels, Demons, and Spiritual Warfare. This is a beautiful lesson that we are about to move into for the next few weeks. We're going to study this and hopefully we'll be able to get an understanding of how this applies to our each and everyday life. And we do have to understand that angels, demons, and spiritual warfare is real. It is real today and we have to realize that and, and have to address that. Um, so uh, as we pray tonight, I want to be able to pray that, that God will be able to come in and uh work this thing out so that we can get our best out to best understand our lesson this evening. Uh, uh, I want to remind those who have been not been with us in our study that it's important to download your study guide, as I said earlier. But as we study tonight, we're getting into a little bit deeper study, farther than the study of angels and uh, demons and spiritual warfare. We're a little deeper than that. So I want to be clear from the start, this is not a uh, a plaything is a real battle waging going on in the world today with women, boys and girls and men and women. Um, we, we're at stake trying to save our very souls. So the battle is, uh, is a real thing and we got to understand that there are higher than any uh, other war that is in the world today, this spiritual warfare that is going on. Uh, the Bible gives us some understanding about that in 2 Corinthians 4th uh, chapter, verse 4. It says, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers and so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is in the image of God, for we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ our Lord, and ourselves as your servants of Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let, shine, let the light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts and to give us the light and of the knowledge of the glory of God in the faces of Christ. So from the very beginning, uh, we want to be able to feel the weight of what's on us as a church. Uh, this is a battle that is waging between uh, the little God, uh, the God of this world, and the big God, the God of the great universe of heaven and earth. So we know that this war is going on, and we have to understand this. Uh, we go to Ephesians 6. He says that put on the whole armor of God so that you can be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So we got to be able to stand during these evil times. So there is a war between good and evil. There's a war that uh, we have angels that that come at our defense, and then you got those demons, those 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 angels that that operate under Satan's uh, war. There's a spiritual warfare going on and we have to prepare for it because it's very serious and we got to understand that. And this is where we have to decide tonight who we are. We're going to ask the question, 
who we are. In the late 1940s, the government of the United States commissioned this great ship, the USS uh, United States. Uh, it was able, $80 million troop carrier back in the time of the 40s, and that was a great amount of money. It was designed to carry 15,000 troops into war. And, and these uh, troops were, it was the fastest ship. It was the most reliable troop carrier they ever had. It could carry those uh, 10,000 miles it could travel uh, to be able, without stopping for supplies. And, and it could outrun any ship that was built at that time. Uh, but it was put on standby during the Cuban Missile Crisis that happened back in the 60s. And, and it was never used. This great ship with great capacity was never used. Instead of, it became a luxury liner for presidents and politicians, heads of state, of, of other governments and other nations. And instead of carrying... 10,000 or 15,000 troops, it ended up carrying about 2,000 uh, highly important, luxurious passengers and had 695 staterooms and four dining rooms and three bars and two theaters, five acres of open deck with a heated pool and 19 elevators and, and it comfort uh, that, that the world finest could be able to enjoy. And instead of this vessel, becoming a vessel of battle, it became a, a vessel of luxury. And the United States, uh, uh, SS United States became a means of indulgence for the wealthy who wanted to be able to coast peacefully around the world rather than this ship that was designed to war. So a central question, I am convinced that we need to answer that central question for the church today. Uh, have we became uh, 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 are we a troop carrier or have we become a luxury liner? And, and, and we got to understand that. Uh, are we a troop carrier that are carrying troops to go out to battle or we become this luxury liner where we go to church now uh, to feel comfortable and, and we don't have to understand the difficulties that we have to face in this world today. So there is a critical difference between whether you are a troop carrier or a luxury liner. Our demeanor is different. When There are critical differences between a luxury liner. When you're traveling on a battleship, then you're traveling on a luxury liner. There's a demeanor that is different. The faces of the soldiers are serious, ready for battle. But our, the, the faces of those that are on the luxury liner, they're wondering where their next meal coming from. They're not worrying about going into battle. Our use of resources will be different. If we're going into battle for the Lord, our resources will be different. The conversation and the, of, of resources and everything else on the ship would be different. When you contrast a, a, a troop carrier with a, a luxury ship, you got to understand things going to be different. After all, troop carriers has an urgent mission to accomplish, but the luxury liner, they're free to enjoy their time and travel at ease. So the crucial decision that we have to make as a church, as a people, are we a uh, troop carrier or are we a luxury liner? So I, I, I'm convinced that, that, that in the church in our day, we've settled uh, for this understanding of the church as a luxury liner. The church exists to make uh, people comfortable and make people feel like everything is going to be all right, rather than trying to understand that if we are in this thing that we call war uh, against the evil of this world, 
we have to realize that it's a battle going on. It's not a luxury. It's not a place of comfort. The church has to be a place where those critical decisions have to be made or whether or not they will going to be fighting for the Lord or we just riding along. He's asking the question, are you at ready for war or we're just ready for another trip? We need to go on another vacation. Are we going to indulge ourselves in peaceful comforts of this world or are we going to engage ourselves in the battle for people's lives and the very souls of people that we face each and every day? So this is a question. I am convinced uh, that the church that we face today are caught up between trying to be that uh, battleship, but all of a sudden falling into that luxury line of category that we are just traveling along doing things well off. So I want to call you tonight. Uh, to get aboard a troop carrier. I want you to get aboard a troop carrier. Get your mind off of luxury travel. Put your mind on the work that God has called us to do. Taking the gospel to the kingdom around the world that God has given us to the ends of the earth, no matter what it costs us. And that's what we're talking about tonight. I, I, uh, this church is designed uh, not to be a luxury liner. It's designed to be a, a battleship ready to go into battle. So tonight, it's not about catering to our comforts. It's not talking about equipping uh, ourselves to be able to ready to go into a, a long trip to be able to enjoy ourselves. No, we're getting ready to go into battle. There's a war going on. So tonight we are equipping ourselves, the body of Christ, not entertaining ourselves, not equipping ourselves to enjoy our life. We're equipping ourselves to put up with a time of war, a time to battle. It's time for us to get ready to fight, church. So not only do you uh, understand that we are about to battle, we need to understand what we need to know to be able to go into battle. You've got to ready yourself for battle. So not only can we experience this victory that God has given us, but the thing is, so that you might be able to lead others to victory. See, we don't come to church just to save ourselves. We equip ourselves to be able to to give the salvation message to others. That's our mission in life, to be able to save others and bring them into the household of faith. So that they might know this great God that you and I know about and way experience in life. So as we study, as we study this thing about uh, 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 angels and demons and, and spiritual warfare, we want to be able to encourage you to be able to prepare to get ready because we're going to get into some study that will get us in a place that we have to make a decision. Are we on board uh, to be able to go into battle or are we on board for a cruise ship? to get uh, ourselves into a comfortable place where the church is not threatened. So the bigger, this is bigger than what is going on uh, that we are seeing. Make notes uh, in your Bible and do whatever is necessary. Download this information because it will help you prepare for this great mission God has before us. So I want to give you as much information as possible. So download that information and, and as we talk about angels and demons and spiritual warfare. The goal tonight is not for you to uh, walk away saying that was fun. We had a good time. No, this is not a good time. The goal is for us to be able to walk away, uh, beginning at this study, equipped, ready to be able to take the gospel to nations around the world and present to them the glory of the Lord and, and, and help them to understand that we are about our Father's business. So the question is who we are. You know who we are, but now where are we going? 
Um, that that's the intro. Here where we are going. Uh, what I want us to do is I want us to be able to camp out about these fundamental truths about uh, that are going to set the stage of everything else that we're going to talk about on this evening and next coming weeks. And then we're going to split it into three categories, uh, like uh, we're going to talk about the angels and, and, and we're going to look at who they are and how they're organized and, and what they do and how they relate to us. And then we're going to talk about demons and, and who are demons and who is saved. And, and how do Satan and his demons relate to God and, and how they are going to uh, uh, try to get us away from the path that God wants us to do. And, 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 and we are going to take these three uh, study periods in redemptive history, the Old Testament, then we talk about the picture of Christ again, and the Gospels, then we're going to uh, move deeper into this study by uh, getting into some of the letters and some of the epistles. And as we go to our notes, those text is in your notes as you would download it. Then we're going to conclude tonight as we look at uh, this controversial question. What about deliverance ministries and casting out demons that you do on television a whole lot. Can a Christian be demon-possessed? We want to ask that question. Should we talk about demons or, or, or conversing, naming, and binding demons? Can we acquire or inherit demons from other places or other people? Or will we close out with two concluding challenges as we study uh, that absolutely grip me? I want to get to those now, but we are going to work our way through this. So what are the fundamental truths? that we want to study about angels and demons and spiritual warfare. So here we go. Spiritual truth, some of the fundamental truths. And you got to be making sure that you're on the same page with us. So make sure you get your notes and we're going to dive in. The first fundamental truth is that there is a spiritual world. We got to understand that just as things are physical in the world, there are spiritual world around us that we have to be aware of. There is a spirit world. I want to invite you to turn in me to Second Kings in that sixth chapter, and we're going to turn uh, to some different passages, but not really uh, a ton of passages, but there are some places where we need to make sure to draw your attention to. Uh, there are certain scriptures that we want to make sure that you get to. So I try to include all of those scriptures in the study guide so that we don't uh, be spending too much time turning pages in your Bible. So you have your study guide. Please download that. It'll make it easier for us to get through the course. Ain't no different than the Sunday school book or anything else. You have your uh, study guide in front of you. So as we look at that, he described uh, as the man of God. As we look at Elisha, who was the prophet, uh, this man of God, he's described as that. And, and then I want us to see what is happening in the text. So let's look at 2 Kings 6, chapter, verses 8. Uh, Elisha was this man of God here in, in the prophet. The scripture says now the king of Aaron was at war with Israel. And after confronting with his officers, he said, I will set up a camp in such a, such a place. And the man of God sent word to the king of Israel. The man of God, remember, is Elisha we're talking about. Sent word to the king of Israel. He said, beware of passing this place because the uh, Iranians are 
going down there so that king of Israel checked that place, indicated that the man of God and the time and time Elijah warned the king so that he was on guard of those certain places. So you see what's happening in our text today, that the king of Aaron uh, wants to be able to take out the king of Israel and all of his army. But God tells Elisha that the king of Aaron is going to be in a certain place. So Elijah says, hey, king of Israel, just as you know, the king of Aaron is hiding out there somewhere over here. So obviously, they did not make the king of Aaron very happy. So 2 Kings 6 and 19 or 6 and 11 said, uh, this enraged the king of Aram, and he summoned his officers and demanded of them, will you not tell me uh, 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 the side uh, uh, will you not tell me which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? And in other words, who, who is the rat here? Which of you that is in this camp told the, the king of Israel, or told Elijah about what was happening in our camp? He says, none of us, my Lord. That's what the soldier said in one of the offices. But Elijah the prophet, who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words that he speaks in his bedroom. He knows everything about you, man. He knows your, all of your plans. So the king of Aaron decides we need to take out Elijah. And this is what's happening in verse 13 in our text. He says, go find out where he is. And the king ordered. So he sent out his men to capture him like Elijah would know. If Elijah knew the plans that he had made to be able to capture the king of Israel. Why didn't Elijah know that he's getting ready to move to the same God that gave him the warning about King Aaron plan to be able to capture the king of Israel. He was the same God that gave Elijah his plan also to get to this very point. See, the report came back. He said that he's in Dothan, and, and he sent horses and chariots and, uh, and, and a strong force there, and they went and they surrounded the city. So in the middle of the night, let's look at it now, y'all follow along. They were surrounding the city. The whole army was surrounding Elisha and ready to take him down. Then what's happened in verse 15? He says that what? When the servant of the man of God, Elijah's servant, got up and went up early in the morning, the army of the horses and chariots had surrounded the city. So here it is. They're surrounding, trying to get Elisha and capture him. And then they, oh, no, my Lord, what shall I do? The servant asked Elisha. He's panicking, and, and the whole army has come about to be able to take us down. And so he listened. Elijah was saying, he said, don't be afraid. The prophet said, those who are with us are more than those that are against us. And, and sometimes the, the servant was wondering, okay, what's wrong? I'm looking at an army. We got a few over here and there's a great army over there. How can you say that those that are against us, those that are for us, are more uh, than those that are against us? He was looking at the army. And so in verse 18, he said, as the enemy came down toward him, Elijah prayed unto the Lord. He said, strike these people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness. And Elijah had asked them, and Elijah told them, is this not the road? And is this not the city? Follow me. I will lead you to the man you are looking for. And he led them to Samaria. And they entered the city. And Elijah said, Lord, open their eyes so that they can see. And then they opened their eyes and they looked. 
and they were inside of Samaria. And when the king of Israel saw them, he asked Elijah, shall I kill them? My father, shall I kill them? You see that this happened. Elijah led them directly to the king of Israel. Now the point is bringing to our passage this morning. I want you to put this picture before it. Before I want you to realize how alike we are in the servant of Elijah. We are so little. That's the point. This is a spiritual war, brothers and sisters, that we're in. And there are a lot of things that are going on that we don't see. We can't see everything. An invisible world is just as real as a visible world. Yet, it's more powerful. And just think about it. There are vast numbers of, of angels, good and bad, all around us each and every day. And just kind of let it soak in. Angels, holy angels, if they were able to see them, we would be able to floor the beauty and the might and their power. All of the evil angels and demons that are all around us, if we would see them, we'd shudder back with fear and, and, and horror. God Open our eyes to see the spiritual world that is happening around us. Now, at this point, there are some objections because uh, began to pop up. Spiritual explanations are, 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 are primitive. And, and, and don't you know science and technology and medicine and that we have today have rendered belief in the spiritual world almost erroneous? And, and if you say that you believe in demons and angels, some folk think you're crazy that you're talking about dragons and elves and two furs. That ain't what we're talking about. We're talking about real spiritual warfare that is going on. Things are happening all around us. If you say you believe in demons and angels and they said that they think you're crazy and if you cannot see it feel it touch it smell it then you are not there we've been caught up into this western way of thinking so much till we do not understand the reality of demons uh, angels and spiritual warfare so we are blind to the spiritual world just like those soldiers were blinded, ended up in a place they didn't know how they got there, didn't know when and know how. How can you explain that God that, that controls thunder and lightning and when we know that meteorologists, they, they can, uh, uh, they can uh, predict that the weather is going to change uh, and, and it'll happen a week ahead of time. So if God is in control, how do those meteorologists predict the weather? How can you say that there is a personal force who tempts, and a person who tempts people to sin, when we know that sin is just a product of our DNA or social environment in which we live? If we can uh, also be predicted, we know that some people are just bad and some people are good. We can't always predict that, but we know that some people are going to be bad, some people are going to be good. But at most, the spiritual world, angels and demons are looked at uh, as a religious fancy. People don't believe they're real. And this is one of the great parts of uh, this great C.L. Lewis classic book that he wrote when the older demon was speaking to the younger demon and giving him advice on how to uh, deceive people. Listen to what he says. And this is about Wormwood. You it says that this is the elder deacon, uh, elder demon speaking to the younger demon. I, I do not think that you have to uh, have much difficulty in keeping the patient in the dark. He says the, the, the fact that the devils are predominantly comic figures in the modern imagery uh, will help you. If any faint suspicion of your uh, existence begins to arise in their mind, 
just suggest to him a picture of something in red pipes and a, a pitchfork and the horns on his head. And as you persuade him that, since he can't believe in that, he therefore cannot believe in you. Modern culture has, has talked us out of everything about demons and angels, and but even talking about them without thinking is just a little bit out there. People think you far out there when you start talking about uh, spiritual warfare, demons, and angels. But spiritual explanations, again, I said, they're very primitive. Spiritual realities are not persuasive. In other words, even if we acknowledge that there are a spiritual world, oftentimes we begin to think, well, they're just uh, deals and, and, and seances and Ouija boards and occult practices. And, and maybe as Christians, we think, well, that happens to many third world countries and overseas. But it doesn't happen in middle America where we in. You got to realize that what we're dealing with in the United States today is because of spiritual warfare. There, there, there is a war between the angels and the demons, good and bad, good and evil, whatever you want to say. There is a war going on and we are in the middle of it. And we got to realize that we are in the middle of a war and we have to do what God uh, called us to do. So what do we see? What do we see? That this spiritual world uh, is dealing with today in politics and business and in our neighborhoods, in our homes, and in everything that we do. Many times it's right up in our churches. We actually exported this destination all over the world that we have done in missions. And, and, and one writer said that Christian missionaries have been one of the most uh, 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 secularizing forces in the whole world. We've gone into a third world country that believe in spirits and we tell them not to pray for your crop. Because agriculture is your answer. We tell them that have have problems with their plants dying and, and we tell them that science is the uh, fertilizers and fungicides and pesticides will be your answer. You don't need to pray for your crop. And, and those then we tell them that when they go through sicknesses and disease, we tell them that you don't need to pray for healing. You know, we're going to bring you science and medicine. So sometimes we've gone into third world countries and we'll convince them that there is no such thing as spiritual warfare. There is no demons. There is no everything is science and technology and everything. So sometimes we've exported that. We've exported that to other countries and now they're, they're caught up in not believing in those spirits. So there is a good in the tape. We don't want to get far out and say uh, those uh, the demons and, and, and those, those angels and that spiritual warfare is something that is happening outside of the realm of God. No, we want them to understand that all of this is still under God's control. You know, so they, we, so we've got this thing that we've convinced them that everything belongs in the realm of science and what should have, uh, that should operate. And, and, and we experience the most and the best of the gifts in the world when we operate according to the way it is designed. So we seek him and we work in the context of who he is and that perfect design of who God is. So we seek him and we work in that realm and, 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 but we disconnect also, we, we, we become so disconnected from God. So even us that believers in the church, we do not believe some of the spiritual things that are happening. As a result, we see no need in our lives uh, to understand the supernatural power that God possesses. We even reduce 
sin to that it's a it's a psychological problem that you have. We we tell people now when you have a sexual sin, it's a psychological problem. It just ain't sin. That when you have a, a, a issue in your life, it's always some psychological reason why you're dealing with it, rather than just that it is sin, it is spiritual warfare going on, and we are proud of the players that are in this great war that is being fought. For and then, then, then some of even the spiritual powers in, uh, are not prevalent in Scripture. We always try to say what I want to show you tonight is the Bible is that there are actually prevalent persuasive spiritual world all over Scripture that we began in Genesis three at the fall of man when the serpent tempted the man and to the middle of it where Jesus in Matthew four and even all the way to the end in Revelation twenty where Satan is judged. So there are always spiritual things going on. There's a spiritual battle, and we got to be aware of that. Catch this. If you do not believe that the spiritual world is evident, then you are denying the reality of the Bible. Let's read that again. Uh, if you do not believe that, the, that, that, in, that in the spiritual world, that then you are denying the reality of the Bible. And even deeper, if you deny that there is a spiritual world around us, you are denying the truthfulness of who Jesus Christ is himself. Christ was what? Unindated with the spiritual world. He was tempted of the devil. Uh, an angel announced his consummation as well as his birth. And then he was uh, also in Matthew 4 and Luke 4. He was served by angels during the time of his temptation. He could not call down legions of angels from the cross if angels didn't exist. Angels were present at his tomb. It was, they rolled the tomb away. They were present when he ascended up into heaven. He was present at his birth, his life, and resurrection, and ascension. So angels in, in spirit were, were aware, were well part of what Jesus did. So spirituality is uh, persuasive. And we need to be able to avoid two areas, uh, errors that, that C.S. Lewis had talked about. There are two equal and opposite errors that we have to put. Uh, our race uh, can fall about the devils. One is disbelief in their existence, and the other is to believe and feel an excessive, unhealthy interest in them. See, it's bad enough that you don't believe in uh, demons, but what happens if you get so interested in demons? You, you know, you hear where people are playing with the Ouija boards and playing with evil things, and they don't realize that you should leave those things alone. So then that's what we have to realize, that there are those two equal forces. One says that you don't believe, and the other one is we're getting too close and we're becoming too uh, close to those things. They themselves are equally pleased whether you take one way or the other. They don't care whether you don't believe in uh, 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 demons and, and spiritual warfare or whether you do or not. See, they don't believe whether you think it's important or whether you just pass it on and don't worry about it. So spiritual uh, spiritualities are persuasive. Error number one, empty rationalism. Uh, either to deny the spiritual world is the religious fancy or to uh, compartmentalize it. There, uh, that's where we uh, need to realize, and particularly in this context, that we are far more secularistic, humanistic, materialistic than we would like to be able to think. We tend to be toward empty rationalism. And this uh, other extreme to avoid, though, is the incessant 
fanaticism. Yes, there is a spiritual reality, but if we are not careful, we will overanalyze them and overreact to this spiritual world, causing all kinds of misunderstanding and misconception. So I want to be point blank with you tonight, point blank honest with you. After studying the four uh, preparing for this study, I'm convinced that all kinds of fiction, uh, superstitions, and fantasies, and nonsense, and nuttiness, and downright heresy when it comes to ideals about spiritual warfare in the Christian circle. We're not talking about outside the Christian circle. We got people inside of the Christian circle that has all kinds of ideologies about spiritual warfare. We need to be careful, yes, not to confine ourselves to this empty rationalism that ignores the spiritual world, but we need to be careful not to indulge ourselves also in, in excessive fanaticism. Don't get so tuned in that where you're reading about it, studying about it. Hey, anything you get close to is going to become part of you. You know the word I like, uh, metastasize, like cancer. Once you get so close to, 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 to this, 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 this demonism and uh, evil spiritualism, you're going to get drawn in by it. So what he's telling you, don't make sure that you understand the reality of it, but don't get so close to it till you start playing around with it. And then he said, David Powelson wrote this great book of counseling, and, and he relates to spiritual warfare. And I want you to listen to what he said. And I just want to be able to read a little excerpt from that. He said, some people really see a demon behind every bush. Remember I said, don't get so uh, fanaticized by it. Cynthia, a woman I counseled, and once he, she cast out demons out of her toaster. And then, then all of a sudden it failed to work. And then more seriously, her and her husband, Andrew, was remarkable and destructive and arguing to each other. And the first five minutes, they warmed up to a person-to-person -person bickering. But at a certain point, the fighting turned nasty. And they, they shifted gears and they wheeled into a, a heavier artillery. And, and they would bind and rebuke and attempt to cast out demons and anger and pride and selfishness from each other. <laughs> they they get around and started casting out demons out of each other. See, they took it to a fanatic level, and they would uh, be able to do all of that. Then Cynthia said, I saw a demon looking out of his eyes, glittering and murderous. So I, I the demon anger, I bind you in the name of Jesus. And, and this is a result. And not only did Cynthia and Andrew reinforce their hostility, they trampled over the name of Jesus. They did everything wrong and and and, and they, they 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 took superstitions and hostilities and, and, and confusion and fear and they trampled needless to say uh, the real devil who whose aims is to dishonor God and confront us in our evil ways could only be pleased at the personal and interpersonal wreckage that brought about this situation. See, he don't care how you do it. As long as you do what God don't want you to do, that's what makes him happy. I want us to study this honestly tonight and, and the rest of the week because I am convinced that there is a great deal of confusion even in the church and around the world regarding spiritual warfare. We need to stay around for... Uh, and make sure that we understand both of these extremes, both of the errors. Don't discount 
the devil, but don't get so close to him until you fail to realize that he can mess you up if you entertain. He said, be careful both ways, whether it's a good angel or a bad angel. He said, be careful who you're entertaining because you may be entertaining angels unaware. Let me flip it. Be careful who you're entertaining. You might be entertaining demons unaware. So you got to be careful about it. Don't discount who they are. Understand the reality of spiritual warfare, but don't discount that they have this, 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 this thing about them that they will be able to come into your life and you'll get so close to them till you fail to be able to see. Be like what uh, Elisha. Pray to God that you open their eyes so that we will be able to see. Pray to God that our eyes will be open so that we won't be able to uh, uh, miss those, 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 those demon or demonic spirits, those, those spiritual uh, uh, demonic spirits that try to take us away from the will of God. They'll come in unaware. They said, you'll be entertaining angels unaware. They will come in unaware if we are not in tune with what God desires us to have. So spiritual warfare is real, my people. Uh, I think we're going to stop right there on page 7. Excuse me. In, uh, in on my study guide, we're going to stop there on, 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 on page, I think on page 4 of your study guide. And we're going to get into that on our next lesson. So spiritual warfare is real. Let us be engaged. But please, I encourage you, download this material. Read it for yourself. It will help you. It will help you to realize that we are about where well, we're going to be at war. We're at war now. But the war is getting worse. We got to draw closer to the word of God. We got to draw closer to the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives so that we can be able to avoid falling in the same trap that those Israelites fell into. Don't let our eyes be blinded so we won't see the reality of those spirits that are operating all around us, good and bad. Don't be entertaining those spirits that, that are not good for you because the more you entertain them, they are going to metastasize. And next thing you know, not only are they in your head, they're in your heart. And then they're going to start getting into your behavior. Once you entertain it long enough, it becomes part of you. So you got to be careful who you're entertaining. But the reality of it is angels, demons, spiritual warfare is real. Prepare for it. He said, put on the whole armor of God. So that you can be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And that's the wiles of the devil where he's throwing these illusions and these, these, these suggestions that, that are coming into your head. That are trying to get you turned away from the living God. We hope that each of you have made a, a, had, had a, a good opportunity to get into this study. Download it. Get the material ready. So next week we'll be able to get into we are involved in a spiritual war. Foundational truth number one. There is a spiritual war going on. We're going to get into that on next uh, Friday evening. We thank God. Join us on Friday for a Monday, on Sunday, excuse me, for our uh, Sunday school hour. And in and, and the next couple of weeks, we're going to get into our Sunday school hour, transitioning right into our worship hour. Uh, we're just going to have about a 30 plus minute of Sunday school hour 
about the 30 minute of our worship hour where we'll be preaching our morning message. We thank God for you uh, continuously supporting us and we hope that each of you will continue to study God's word, read his word, uh, be a part of this study ministry here. Download it, read it, study it for yourself. And even if you don't stay there long with us, I would encourage you to download it for your own personal reading. Not about me. It's about getting the word of God out. God bless you. Let us bow. Father God, we do thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to come. And, and as we come, Lord, we ask that you would just allow your Holy Spirit to be able to go forth. Every word that we spoke, let it go forth and shall not return void. We, we ask that you would just allow the power of that word to go out and cut and to be able to heal and to be able to destroy and rebuke and to change and, and to enlighten and to encourage. So let your word do everything that it is intended to do. Lord, we thank you. We repent of everything said, don't our thought, cleanse us, wash us in that blood of Jesus. Continue to let us look lean and depend upon you. Lord, we thank you and we praise you in Christ Jesus' name. Let everyone say, amen. God bless you. May heaven have a smile upon you.